Good Friday evening, everyone. Rev Tom here. It is time for some Aka plays. Yay, yay. I got to tell you, uh, last night I had the great opportunity to be the keynote speaker for the New Life Fellowship um, graduation. Three of the ladies at Samaka Place graduated, and they asked me to uh, give the, the the charge speech. Well, what you do is you uh, you talk to them about their graduating this program. Their lives have been fundamentally changed. Uh, they're they're in the Lord, and you know now what are they going to do? So I I was really blessed last night to be able to give this to give this speech at Samaka. And what was really fun was there was actually people there. There were actual real people. It wasn't a Zoom meeting. That's the first time that's happened in months. Uh, but some more good news. I'm going to be going back to Samaka a week from Sunday, and they're going to allow us to do our third Sunday, fourth Sunday live uh, in front of people there again. So uh, that is great news. And so when the, when we get to the second or the third and fourth Sundays, uh, we'll be on we'll be on Facebook. There'll be shorter messages because I get what 20 minutes, 30 minutes, or whatever to be there. But we will be doing this live with people. So this is uh, uh, a big step. You know, they did that. Um, gosh, what about? two three months ago we got to go there a couple times before they shut it back down because there was a COVID case and so uh, I'm hoping that uh, this gets to to, to uh, be pretty steady that we go back to the regular schedule and then maybe we can add that Friday we have like this is the second Friday of the month and we always preach the second Friday third and fourth Sunday there so uh, I gotta I gotta be honest with you I, I never realized until last night just how much you miss the fellowship uh, you know, preaching online is great. It gives me more time to expand on what I want to talk about, uh, which is which is awesome. I get to get to get into the books. I'm looking around my table. I got lots of books tonight, uh, which is which I really really enjoy. But there was something last night just about being with people, other people in the faith, uh, hearing this the faith the incredible faith stories of these three women that graduated the program. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was life giving, and uh, uh, if you know me, you know I'm I'm kind of a lone wolf kind of guy, and and the fellowship part has never really been a huge thing uh, for me. But you take it for granted sometimes, and when you don't have it, uh, you 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 don't even know you don't miss it, right? You don't you don't think you miss it at all, and then all of a sudden you get with people, and you're like, dang, this is this is really fun to actually be around people and of like mind and, and people that just want to serve the Lord and, and uh, uh, truly people that really love you and care about you and that a, a true agape, the uh, unconditional sense. So uh, just a lot of fun last night to, to go to the, the Samaka graduation and be honored enough to be a part of that. Uh, just congratulations to Nicole and Deidre and uh, um, Jill uh, for you know sticking it out because that program is a, a long, grueling uh event <laughs> and for you to graduate was a big deal so congratulations on that uh tonight i'm going to be talking about uh something you know if you've been to the church you know about this the the vine and the branches that jesus talked about my buddy larry who's a faithful man was asking me when i when i put on facebook i was going to preach on this tonight he goes why would you start in the middle of the lord's uh, thought process here in the middle of the, what the Lord was saying. And I told him, I said, I'm not really going to start in the middle of it. Uh, I, I am going to uh, kind of focus in on this one piece, though, that deals with I am the vine, you are the branches, and, and where he goes from there. Because uh, there's a piece at the end of that that is really, really, really important. However, uh, his point, you know, is really accurate. One of the things you, you don't want to do is take things out of context or just pull things out of the middle of a thought and, and not deal with the entire thought. Now, the problem with 
the entire thought uh, to do to do what I want to do tonight is that the thought that Jesus starts with starts in chapter 13. So if you're interested in knowing uh, where he comes into this vine and branch things, you kind of got to go back to chapter 13, read 13, 14, and 15. And here's the scene. So he and the disciples are having the Passover dinner. And Judas has betrayed him, uh, has left the room already to, to go betray him, sell him out. And Jesus starts a dissertation uh, about who he is. And uh, and I'm not, I'm not when I'm reading this, I'm not sure the disciples are really getting it. You know, you, you, you look at them sometimes, and no matter how many times the Lord has said he's going to suffer and die for the sins of many and be raised again, um, they just don't catch it. And, and part of that is they weren't filled with the Holy Spirit, so there was not that revelation. Part of it was, uh, yeah, they just, they just couldn't grasp this idea of Messiah that way. And uh, it, it wasn't until the Holy Spirit comes upon them in Acts where you see them go, the light bulb comes on. They go, oh, because the Lord told them, you'll remember everything I've told you when the, whole, when the Spirit comes upon you. And that's where you start to get the revelation that they have, where they can start connecting all the dots of what Jesus said. But in that upper room, when he was saying these things, there was not a lot of uh, understanding of what was happening. And if you read chapters 13, 14, 15 uh, of John, you're, you're going to see that um, he's telling them, he's, I mean, he's just being completely upfront and honest and saying, this is what's going to happen. And we get to the Excuse me, I was yawn. I don't know why. Um, we're going to get to this this branches and vine thing. But what I want to do is I want to kind of set the stage here by reading the interlinear Bible. Okay, you've seen this before. I've held this up. This is the word for word Greek and Hebrew um, translation. So instead of it being like NIV or HSCB or whatever they call that or you know Amplified or whatever, you know, pick your Bible. This is just word for word. And so it, sometimes the reading gets a little clunky uh, because it is word for word. It's not like a grammatical uh, rewrite of the sentence. And it's certainly not a paraphrase. Uh, you know how much I love paraphrases, right? Um, so let me, let me kind of start a little bit earlier in 15, part of back into 14, and read through what I want to talk about. i got to wear my big glasses because this is like very fine print what I have to read here. So, all right, here we go. So I'm going to start in 14, verse 25. It says, I have spoken these things to you, abiding with you. But the comfort of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and shall remind you of the things that I have said to you. That's what I just told you, right? Um, I leave peace to you. My peace I give you. I do not give you to you as the world gives. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be timid. You heard that I said to you, I am going away, and I am coming again to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced that I said that. I'm going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it occurs that when it shall occur, you may believe. So, you know, he's, he's telling them these things. So um, as, as this unfolds, their, their faith grows, and they understand exactly who Jesus is. Okay, here's 15. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me not bearing fruit, he takes it away. And each one bearing fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. You are uh, you already you are already pruned because of the words which which with which I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you, as the branch is not able to bear fruit of itself 
unless it remains in the vine. So neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He that remains in me and I in him, this one bears much fruit. For apart from me, you are not able to do anything. Unless one remains in me, he is cast out as the branch and is dried up and they gather the, throw them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, whatever you desire, you will ask and it shall uh, happen to you. In this, my father is glorified that you should bear much fruit and you will be my disciples. As the father loved me, I also loved you. Continue my love. If you keep my commandments, you will continue in my love, as I have kept my Father's commandments, and continue uh, in his love. I have spoken these things to you, that my joy may abide in you, and your joy may be uh, full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Okay, so that's a long, that's a long uh, uh, reading. But the, the part that I want to... I want to jump into tonight, and I'm, I'm going to talk about all of it, but the part I'm going to really focus on is this John 15, uh, 4 through 5. Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay, so that's that's the piece that we're going to we're gonna jump into and stuff here. Um, in, you know, when you read this, uh, you see the word, depending on your translation, remain or abide. And I want I want to do a little bit of a word study on that and, and see the you know where where are we talking remain and abide. What is there is there any kind of tricky meanings to that kind of thing? So um, if you don't have a Vines Complete Expository Dictionary, you should get one. It's it's the best book out there in terms of uh, looking up uh, the words to see where they're used, how they're used, and, and all of that. And so I did look up uh, abide and remain, and it has pretty much the meaning you think it would have. Uh, one of the one of the definitions was to set, um, to to be in. So w when Jesus is saying remain in me or abide in me, uh, you can you can kind of think about that as. Um, you know, we think about it as, oh, you know, I just got to be stuck with Jesus. But I, I think the meaning is deeper than that. And we'll get into that. So I want to I want to talk about this idea of abiding. It, it's it's a little bit different, I think, than just um, like my buddy Larry and I are friends. We've been friends for thirty plus years, probably thirty three, thirty four years, um, and and we'll always be friends. I, I think. I mean, uh, we'll remain. We will remain friends. Do we abide in each other? I don't think so, um, because we don't really talk very much. He's, uh, I think he's in Colorado. I'm here out in Oregon. He's married with a bunch of kids, and, you know, I do what I do. Uh, you can become overcome by life, right? And so while you're friends, and you'll always be friends, and you can always be there for each other and all that, you're not abiding in one another. You, you don't have that kind of relationship. Who who you may abide in, um, who you're with always, and, and you're settled in, and you're, and, and you're, um, you know, just connected to that way is maybe your spouse, uh, but you're supposed to be that way with Jesus. Uh, a lot of Christians we know are not abiding in Jesus. It's more like the friendship that maybe Larry and I have, um, where absolutely you're connected, but not abiding, um, not not in that kind of set. And most nominal Christians that are not really engaged in their faith as a as a way of life. I mean, not living out their faith. 
they're not abiding and and there's a problem with that that jesus gets to in these readings and i've always i've always thought that and i've shared this with you certainly we're concerned about the lost sheep right we always think about the person who doesn't know jesus and we got to get to him and talk to him i'm more concerned or as concerned i should say about the christians that don't abide in jesus the, the Christians, those who were baptized and those who were, you know, went to church at one point in their life and, and they accepted the Lord as, uh, you know, as their Savior. Um, and they, you know, said a sinner's prayer or whatever the heck they did. But they're not living their faith. Uh, I think there's a, as a great a number or greater a number of those not abiding in Jesus. And if you read what he says here, that's not a good thing. Um, so a resource I have, you know, you know me, I, I, you know, I'm like a bookstore. I like to talk about the resources I have. This is the Preacher's Outline and Sermon Bible, and uh, this is New Testament one. Uh, there's four volumes of it. It's probably, of all the commentary and, and explanation stuff you read, I think this is the best one I've ever seen. Uh, I really enjoy how they go uh, piece by piece and, and break it down and tear it down. So let's, let's kind of get into this. I'm going to use this as a resource tonight. I'm going to move these other books off my desk. I got a Bible down here. I got vines. I got the interlinear Bible right here, right next to me on my right. And I'm going to move this this massive preacher outline thing to uh, to my right, and uh, we'll be ready to go here. So let's get back to this first. I'm going to tear it down just for a couple seconds here. Uh, I got the wrong thing up here. Let's go here and here. Okay. Remain in me. That's the first thing. Remain in me. So so. You know, how, how do we remain in Jesus? You know, you just got to him talking about uh, he is the he is the the vine and uh, and the and God is the vine dresser. Again, he's talking about you know, grapes. He's talking about that that those kind of fields. And uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not a gardener. This is why my buddy Larry has me because he's um, uh, you know in, into outdoor stuff. He was a I think he's a geology major, but he knows he knows all that stuff. But this idea of the vine and the vine dresser, Jesus kind of goes through it and says that one of the things a vine dresser does, God, is he prunes and he looks for it to bear fruit. And so I guess if you're a grape grower, let's say you're here in Salem and you've got Willamette Valley vineyards and they're growing all these grapes to, to make wine, um, you got to make sure that the thing produces, right? And I guess you've got to trim it and you got to throw away the branches that, that aren't producing anything. you got to do this. What Jesus is saying when he says, I am the vine and you are the branches, he's going to get to that here at the end of this, at the end of this verse. But he says, remain in me, remain in me. And the explanation uh, is that Jesus is the source of life. You know, remember he says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. If, if we want to have life abundant, because he says, I, I, I've come to give you life abundant. He says the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. The thief comes to, to, to you know, destroy you. He, he wants to kill you. He wants to break your marriage. He wants to break your job. He wants to break your spirit. He wants to break you mentally. He wants to break you physically, right? The thief comes to do all that stuff. He came to give us life and have it abundantly. And then you go, okay, what is the abundant life? Well, the abundant life is Jesus because he is the way, the truth, and the life. So if you want to have abundant life, you've got to remain in Jesus. And so um, everyone says, well, of course, of course you remain in Jesus. Well, I don't think it's as easy as that. At least I don't see, I don't see people living that abundant life in, in the Christian faith, in the Christian church. I don't see them uh, truly, uh, you know, being like Jesus, you know, being content in all circumstances like Paul talks about. What I see in the church is uh, people coming to church on Sundays, 
and I, I'm just going to be bluntly honest what I see. Um, Andy Stanley, who has since fallen out of favor with me because of his, some of his comments he's made about the Old Testament and the Bible, the dude's cheese has slid completely off his cracker. Uh, but before that happened, he once he once talked about truth and grace, and he did this. Um, uh, I guess it was a visual. Uh, I'm not very good at visuals sometimes, but he did a visual, and he took a picture, and he had one color for truth and one color for grace, and and he, he poured these things together, poured them together, and they made this other color. And he was explaining that you can't just have truth, you just can't have grace. You can't have more truth than grace. You can't have more grace than truth. It, it, Jesus was the perfect blend of tr truth and grace. And I don't see that in the church, right? What you see is is people either banging on truth, um, and this is where Paul says, even if I speak in the tongues of angels and have not love, I'm just a banging gong or a clanging cymbal. I mean, he got it. He says, look, if, if the truth is the truth. There's no doubt it's the truth. But if you don't have love, if you don't have that grace piece along with it, you, you're who are you going to convince? You're going to turn everybody off. You're just a banging gong. Or you get the other side, the people who are just the grace people where, you know, they're like almost universalists, that, that God loves you so much that you can do anything, anything's permissible. And that's not true either, because that ignores the truth of God's holiness, righteousness, and all the rest. And so when I look at the, the concept of remain in me, remain in me, and understand that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that, that if I want the life abundant, if I want the promises of the Bible, right, the Bible promises all sorts of stuff to us, if I want those, the only way I can have those is to remain in Jesus. Because in my own, in my own flesh, in my own self, in this fallen state I'm in, uh, what I, you know, the only part of Calvinism I kind of agree with is we're depraved. Imagine if the Holy Spirit weren't here. Imagine if we didn't have the conviction, right? One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to hold back sin. He convicts us of sin and holds back sin. Imagine what this world would be like if there were no Holy Spirit and it was just no God. I mean, it would be social Darwinism. It'd be crazy. Um, I want to remain in Jesus because uh, only through that do I get life, true life, abundant life. And then he says, I also remain in you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. So this is a great promise, right? If you accept the faith and you, you're truly following Jesus and you're remaining in him, he sticks to you. This is this is a partnership. This is, he's not going to leave you. Remember that, that, that scripture says that no one can take you from the, the hand of Jesus, right? Uh, he tells the Father, all the ones you've given me, I've not lost. <clears throat> I've not lost one. This is really a comfort to me <clears throat> in that no matter what here, I'm, I'm, I can't be lost. Uh, Jesus is going to be with me, always trying to 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 uh, uh, make me more in his image. And that's where the Father's pruning comes in, right? We get disciplined. We get pruned. We get hit with a holy two-by-four. Um, we, we, you know, God wants us to produce as much as possible, so he's going to uh, work the, 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 the branches so they make as much fruit as possible. And sometimes that's painful, right? you got to get clipped here and chopped there and all right. So that. <clears throat> now this is what he says next. He says, no branch, that's us, right, can bear fruit by itself. So... Uh, right now in my, my place, I'm looking outside, it's getting a little darker out, I've got a ton of trees around my place, but I also have a ton of debris from the ice storm. I, we cut down so many trees, I don't even know how many, and I got branches everywhere. I got stacks and stacks and stacks of wood and branches all over my property. And they're not doing nothing, they're dead. Um, they, they are not 
tied to the tree anymore, right? They have no nourishment. They're just dead branches. And so the same, I guess, is true with, uh, with branches that are tied to a vine. The vine is what gives nourishment to a branch, so the branch then can bud and do the thing it does. See, I am an agriculturalist. Horticulture, I think, is the word. Um, so Jesus is saying no branch can bear fruit by itself. So you're not going to see a branch that's laying on my, on my yard right now do anything because it's dead. It doesn't have nourishment. It doesn't have life. It doesn't have anything. And so when he says no branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Jesus is the vine that gives us life gives us a life abundant. He gives us the spiritual blessings and the spiritual gifts. And, and you know, the, the ruha, the breath of life itself, comes from, from Jesus. And, and so when, when you think about your life, I want you to think about this. Have you ever lived your life as a branch outside of the, of the vine? Have you ever lived a life where you either claimed Jesus but weren't living in that life or didn't know Jesus? Jesus wasn't a part of your life. What, what kind of life was that? Where was your hope? Where was your drive? Where was, um, where was anything? I mean, I li I lived that life. I always claimed Jesus, but I certainly didn't live it. And um, it was empty. There was a, there was an emptiness. And I think that every one of us has a, a God hole in us, right? And we're always searching to fill it with other stuff. Uh, it could be work. It could be. Uh, entertainment, it could be money, it could be uh, prestige and title and position, and it could be uh, you know, relationship, it could be sex, drugs, and rock and roll, who, who knows? Uh, but it never fulfills because that's not the life that God created us for. He created us for being connected to the vine, to be connected to Jesus so that we would have life abundant. And that hole that is, is empty in everybody until it's filled by Jesus can only be filled by Jesus. There's nothing else that can fill it. And so um, in order for you to bear fruit, which means in order for you to actually produce something worthwhile, which is only kingdom work, and this is what we're going to get to here in a minute, the only thing worthwhile is kingdom work. The only thing lasting is something you do for the kingdom of God. Everything else goes away. My pastor said this the other day, uh, last Sunday, he was making the point that uh, I think they said within a hundred was he? he said 150 years, I think maybe 105 years, 150, no, 115 years. I knew there was a five in there. 115 years, you're completely forgotten. After you die, 115 years later, you're, no one knows who you are. And that's really true. I mean, I, I've said this before, within two or three generations, you're a name on Ancestry.com and that's all you are. Um, and it doesn't matter whether you've written books or you know, there are so many people that are, are not famous, like most everybody, right? So even if you have some legacy of family or you've written something or I mean even think about think about George Washington or Benjamin Franklin or Abraham Lincoln in our lifetime you can read biographies about them and all that but you don't know them you don't you don't know and uh, um, there's a lot of speculation in hist historiography is that the word is that a word I just made it up um, where people speculate what people think and do based upon partial writing and stuff but yeah I'm not going to be remembered in in a hundred years uh, no one's going to care about Tom Mann right uh, the only legacy I have is sharing Jesus with people. The only legacy I have is anything I do for the kingdom. That's it. That's it. Uh, my money will be gone. My house will be gone. Um, uh, yeah, everything will be gone. And, you know, there's a great piece of scripture that talks about someone else is going to own your stuff, right? And uh, um, that person's lucky because I got cool stuff. But, yeah, uh, you got to remain in the vine because I can't bear fruit. Now, that doesn't mean that I can't do stuff. 
right? You can you can be outside the faith and do stuff. But we're going to get to this piece in a minute that's kind of important. Um, Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So again, you're a dead vine, you're a dead branch unless you remain in the vine. Then it says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, if, now this is a big, this is a big word. You ever notice that scripture says if a lot? Um, we are loved unconditionally. God loves us regardless of us, right? That's, that's his decision. But there are all sorts of conditional things. If you do that, God will do this. And, and it, it's all throughout Scripture. And you probably don't recognize it when you're reading the Scriptures because you're either familiar with the verses or whatever it might be. But um, next time you go through, do, do, do this exercise. Next time you go through, um, grab a highlighter. You know, grab one of these babies and highlight the word if everywhere you go. And those are conditions. If you do this, I will do that. So he says, if you remain in me, if... Don't have to. You may not. But if you do, and I in you, because this is the relationship, because if you remain in him, he will remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Not just bear fruit, you will bear much fruit. But here's the kicker. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And this is where I wanted to land tonight. And this is why I told my buddy Larry um, that, yeah, I, I get that I'm starting in the middle of an idea. Uh, that's actually several chapters long. But this piece here, apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, that's a hard idea. And it gets to what I was saying in terms of what's of value in life, right? We put so much value on our performance. Uh, the, the, I always tell people that Satan is the prince of this world according to scripture, right? And uh, the whole system is set up by him. He, he's, he's testing Jesus and he says... Uh, if you bow down to me, uh, all these kingdoms, I'll give you all these kingdoms because these kingdoms are mine to give. And you go, what do you mean the kingdoms, the kingdoms of the earth are his to give? Well, when the fall happened, Adam and Eve gave up their authority over the earth and Satan became the prince of this world, which means every system in this world is set up by him and it's all performance based. You have to perform. So you want to you want a promotion at work? Guess what? You better be a good worker. You better perform, and you better outperform your your coworkers. You you want to um, to to win the game? You got to perform better. You want anything you do? You got to perform. You you want a good grade in my class when you when I'm teaching it? You got to you got to write a decent paper. Um, you got to perform. Everything's about performance. If if I want to uh, keep my job at the university as a part-time teacher, I, I can't suck. I got I got to connect with the kids and do what I do. Everything's about performance. But our relationship with Jesus isn't. It's about faith, and that's the whole story about you know part of the story about Job, is Job has has uh, uh, goes up against the devil because God fingers him and says, "Have you considered my servant Job?" And God's saying basically, "I have complete." trust in my servant Job. He, There's none like him, and I trust him, and I'm going to put him in the ring against Satan, and all he has to do is be faithful. He doesn't have to win the fight. He just has to be faithful, which is winning the spiritual fight. And so when we look at this world about performance, this performance, that, we tend to think that um, we're doing something through our performance. So you can get out there and say, okay, I'm going to give to the United Way and it makes me feel good. Or I'm going to give, even like the Wounded Warrior Project, if you're like a guy like me, a military guy, or you're gonna, and that's all good stuff. It's not like people aren't doing good things for other people. There's all sorts of philanthropy out there that's great. But the motive isn't to glorify God. The motive is not to share Jesus. The motive is different. You might just be a nice guy. You know, I know uh, Larry and I have a buddy, Chris. 
and uh, uh, Chris is not in the faith, at least as far as I know. I haven't talked to Chris for a long time, but the three of us used to hang out in college, and, and honestly, we had a blast together. Um, I love both of those guys to death, uh, but Chris is, is not, not with us on this faith stuff. And he does great stuff. He, he gives to charity. He does different things. But none of it is for Jesus. None of it is to glorify the kingdom. And what Jesus got done saying in that, in that last line was, apart from me, you can do nothing. So the thing that my buddy Chris is doing has zero value. Now, let that sink in for a second. And let me ask you this question. How much stuff do you do that where you think you're accomplishing something that has value when, in fact, None of it glorifies Jesus. None of it is about him. None of it has the motive of him. None of it is building the kingdom. And now you're realizing as I'm speaking that it doesn't have value. That's a hard one. Man, I, li- I lived an entire life like that. That, um, man, I was helping people and doing stuff and giving money away. and But the motive was never about the love of Christ. It, it was about me or whatever. And it, it, when I get in front of Jesus, that's, that's not going to have any value. Um, I'm going to go to a part in, my, in this giant book, my giant book, because it was written down in here. And I'm going to uh, uh, go back to it because I think it's so important. So excuse me as I turn my little head. Um, so it's in, my goodness, you know, I always, once I find something, I, sh- I should mark it better than I do. It's in 1 Corinthians. Um, it's a part where when you die and we get judged, you know we all get judged, right? Uh, the, uh, those of us in the faith get judged for our rewards. Those outside the faith get judged on their righteousness, not Jesus' righteousness. And you know you can imagine how that's going to go for them. That's going to be a hard day for them. Uh, so let me bear with me while I... Uh, get to this place that I know I'm trying to get to and I will find it momentarily so feel free to grab a drink or whatever you're doing bum, 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 bum. I'll sing for, I'll sing for you while I look for this and if I can't find it I'll just tell you what it says and uh, okay so here, here's here's the setup when when we get to that place of, of judgment uh, in this verse it talks about how all our works, all our works will be put to the test, right? You've heard that idea, all our works being put to the test. And what that means is, according to scripture, everything you have is going to be put in a pile, all the works you've done. And then there's going to be fire. <laughs> it's going to be flame, but not just like flame, like you're, you're burning a Duralog. It's going, to be, it's going to be holy flame, right? And it's going to test your works. And the works that you've done the, the, the stuff that you've done that is of the world it's just going to burn up there, there'll be nothing left and it talks about how it's made of hay and straw and wood just going to burn but the stuff that you've done for the kingdom is actually going to be refined right um, and it's going to be jewels and, and, and valuable stuff now when I preach about this when I preach about that specific thing I tell people when you meet a king what are you supposed to do do you ever go to the king without a gift? I mean, that, that's bad form, bad etiquette. And, and in the old days, you could lose your head, right? Um, you always bring the king a gift. So you're going to meet the king. 
and all your work's around and it goes to the holy fire and it burns, you better hope you've got something to give to the king when it's done because I'm so looking forward to taking whatever I have that is of value, kingdom value, scooping it all up and putting it you know, before my Lord and Savior and giving that to him. I mean, the thought of it is like, ooh, can't wait till that happens. That's going to be awesome. And what we learn in 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 the scripture, I am the vine, you are the branches, you can do nothing outside of me, is if you're outside of, of Jesus, if you're not bearing fruit, not only do you get trimmed and cut and thrown away, but that moment when you are are there and your stuff, all your works, everything you've done in life is getting put to the holy fire and there's nothing left. You know, imagine that moment for you where you look back on an, a, a life lived that was a worthless life. Now, Scripture talks about that um, you still may have salvation from this. You'll get, it says you, you get into heaven as one who has been on fire or burning, right? Um, so it, 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 it does talk about you may, you may not lose your salvation. It's not like you don't love Jesus, um, but you got nothing. And we know that there's the least of those in heaven. We know there's there's hierarchy and all that. And in the new heaven, the new earth, those who are put in charge of a little will be put in charge of a lot. Um, you have crowns. There's rewards. Paul Paul tells us to run the race, to run to win. Right? We we get all this imagery that we're supposed to supposed to be striving towards something. But this branch and vine piece is telling us what we're supposed to be striving for, and that is to bear fruit. This is what Jesus is saying. Look. If you remain in me, and I also remain in you, you will bear fruit, because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you take your nourishment and your life and your and your energy and power and values and, and, and morality from Jesus, and you make that yours, and that's what you're feeding on, right? That's what you'll produce. That's what you'll produce. There's an old Indian story that talks about two wolves in this grant if I get this right if not pardon me but if there's kind of the imagery I like so the granddad's talking about uh, there's two wolves everybody has and and one wolf is uh, a good wolf that does great things and you know and, the, and then there's a dark wolf that does dark things and the moral of the story the kid asks well which wolf wins out because they're fighting uh, in you and the granddad says whichever one you feed I love the imagery of that because it's true. Whichever wolf inside of you, your feeding is what you're going to get. If you remain in Jesus and he remains in you, you will bear fruit. Now, what's fascinating about this, these verses I read is there's a part where it says, and if you pray anything in his name, he, all your desires, he'll give them to you. Now, people use that for prosperity gospel. They use it for all sorts of things, but they miss the context. If I remain in Jesus and he remains in me, I'm never going to ask for something that's outside the will of God. Right, I'm never going to be asking in prayer for something outside of God's will. So when Jesus says that I will be able to ask anything I want to ask and I'll receive it, it makes sense because I'm not going to ask for things that are not God's will because I'm in him and he is in me. Now, can we get there fully? I don't think in a fallen state we can. I mean, we're too selfish. Um, but spiritually, we definitely can. So in my prayer life, and even in my prayer life, i got to be honest with you, people get sick and you, you know, you're in church and you hear people say, well, we're praying for Aunt Sally, who blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I, I cringe a little bit. You know, when I pray for people, I pray God's will be done. 
I don't know what God's will is in these people's lives. I pray for their comfort. I pray that God's hand is on them. I pray for their families, for, for comfort and those type of things. But I always pray that God's will will be done because what we want in life, if we're going to bear fruit, is whatever God wants, we want. And so, um, I, I, you know, I recently had a sister who passed away uh, late last year. And uh, that was God's will. And she is home with him. She was a strong believer. Um, she was only 60, what was she, 61, 62, something like that, 63, I don't know. Uh, eight years older than me, so probably 63. Um, that's pretty young. I mean, she had a lot of health issues, but obviously. But um, not, not didn't make it to her 80s and those kind of things like most of my family does. But I'm not sad about that because it was God's will. And I want God's will. And she's fine. She's perfected. She's healthy. She's, she's fine. Um, basking in the glory of the Lord. Why would I be upset about that? Right? Um, so when you're in God's will, you're remaining in Jesus. And he's remaining in you. And the things that you want are the things that he wants. And you're aligning. And, you know, we talk about this churchy idea of, well, you got to become more like Christ. The idea is that you fall in line with wanting the same things that God wants. You want to see the world the way God sees the world, which means you love people. You love them enough to tell them the truth. That's where the truth and grace piece comes in. Did I ever finish that concept? concept? So what I'm seeing in the church are critical people that are way too full of, of, of um, truth. They just want to bang on you. Uh, and, and you know, tell you all the things you're doing wrong. Critical, 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 critical. And, and that's not what Scripture says. You're not supposed to have the critical nature like that. It's one thing to correct somebody if you think that they are theologically missing the boat, but you do so in love, not because um, you love to correct them, ah, right? But you you want to sit down and have a conversation and have a relationship with them. Um, but you see critical spirit. And on the other hand, you see people that are afraid to death to even confront anybody who is like heretical or apostate because, you know, oh, we just got to be nice to them. Where Jesus, I mean, I look at Paul and he, at the church of Corinth and, and, Galatian, and, and Galatia, he was pretty firm about what he was saying. It, do you think he didn't love those people? He sure he loved those people, but he told them the truth. But he kept relationship, right? And you can only do that. You can only do those kind of things if you are in Jesus, if you're abiding in him. So I'm going to go back to abide because I, when I was looking for this verse, I didn't find because I'm a knucklehead. Uh, I did find something else that I wanted, to, I wanted to touch on. So I got my giant book in front of me, giant book. And it talks about four stages of, of bearing fruit. So there's no fruit, there's fruit, there's more fruit, and much fruit. And so, um, even if like you're just getting into this stuff and you're kind of a baby Christian or whatever that might be, or, or maybe you're just now starting to figure out what fruit looks like, we all think that we got to go out there and just tear the world up, right? I, I remember when I wrote my book, I was I was like, okay, this thing's gonna this thing's gonna sing and people are gonna get it and they're I'm gonna sell um, a million copies, you know, blah blah blah. And, and God had the last laugh. He's like, no, you're just going to give the book away. <laughs> Not that many people will be interested in it. And it was really tough for me because I was just coming out of my secular life and coming into the faith life and uh, not understanding God's economy at all. And I didn't realize that if I didn't, if I wasn't producing and selling enough books, I didn't think I was producing any fruit. When in fact, uh, to this day, and it's been, gosh, let's see, eight years since I wrote that first book, I still have people come up to me and say, hey, I ran into your book, and wow, it changed my life. And people I don't even know. Um, 
and it's like oh, I get what fruit bearing is it's not about the quantity of things like we do here because quantity is about performance it's about the quality of it and much fruit gets born when a life gets saved scripture says that uh, the angels in heaven sing and rejoice over one lost soul that finds the Lord one one right uh, and, and so when we look at fruit, I, I want to caution that you don't have to set the world on fire uh, for the Lord. You don't have to be Billy Graham to be producing fruit. You can be producing fruit in your neighborhood, in your workplace, um, anywhere you are, your grocery store. You can be producing fruit so long as all that you're doing is about Jesus. Your speech, how you carry yourself, how you love others, how you help, how you serve, how you humble yourself, all those different things. All of it can be for the Lord. But again, you can only do these things if you're in the Lord. So I, I got this great story. So a buddy of mine was, uh, he's in the um, home, oh, it's not construction, but he does he does blinds and different things in people's homes. And we both, he's a good Christian man, and, and we both know this guy uh, that uh, needed some work done in his house. And this other guy is a, a good Christian man. He's one, of, he's one of the guys we meet with. But when uh, things weren't going well because COVID screwed up the supply chains, so you couldn't get stuff, so you'd tell someone, oh, we'll have this project done in two weeks. <clears throat> you couldn't get the supplies for three, so it, <clears throat> it, it moved the project out. Now, granted, that's very frustrating, right? <laughs> We've all been really frustrated with a contractor that didn't get things done on time. But I guess this guy just went nuts and um, was very unchristian in his speech and how he treated workers. He was a different guy because he wasn't getting what he wanted. <clears throat> and I always joke that it's really easy to do Christian stuff until it's time to do Christian stuff, right? It's easy to love people when they love you. It's easy to... Um, be all full of holiness and righteousness when things are going your way. But our faith gets put to the test when things don't go our way. And if you're not abiding in Jesus, if you're not remaining in him and him in you, you will act just like the world does. And so you see the divorce rate among Christian couples almost as high as, as the secular world. You see churches becoming apostate and and just de denying God's word you see people um, on the other spectrum that are you know just beating people to death with the Bible and uh, have no love they don't love people uh, and, and this is where it's really some hard learning in this in this section because of the before the section I read which was I am the vine you are the branches I read you a section that said that those vines that are in him that do not produce get cut off and thrown away. Did you catch what Jesus said there? Those vine, those those branches that are in the vine, those branches that are attached to the vine, those Christians that are attached to Jesus but are not producing fruit get cut off and thrown away. So is your faith about works? No, it's not. So don't misunderstand what he's saying. 
what he's saying is if you're a branch that's connected to the vine, if you are a Christian that says you're connected to Jesus, but you're really not taking any nourishment from him, you're not really taking any values of, you're not living the life, you're not trying to, to absorb, you're not trying to become uh, in the will of the Father, you're not trying to do any of that stuff. What Jesus is saying is you're really not one of mine. And that's why um, he says in Matthew 7, 21, on that day, many will call me Lord, Lord. Those are the branches that are connected to the vine. And he's going to say, I never knew you. You and, I, you and I didn't have a relationship. I never knew you. And then they're going to say, well, didn't we do this in your name and this in your name, right? And he's going to say, away from me, evildoers. So there are Christians out there right now, Christians, that believe that they are attached to the vine. They believe that they are attached to Jesus. But Jesus says, you will know them by their fruit. And this is where this thing comes in. They're not bearing good fruit. He says a good tree doesn't bear bad fruit and a bad tree doesn't bear good fruit. And so when you get to the church and you see Christians that are critical and all, they just have a critical spirit and they don't love. And you see Christians that are just banging people with the Bible and they're judging motives and they're questioning all sorts of stuff. And they're not, I mean, this happens to pastors all the time. All they're doing is looking for the fight with the pastor, and they're not listening to what the pastor says. I had this happen once to me. I was preaching. There was a guy in the church, an old, old guy, and you know, all he did was just rag on me, just over and over and over. Finally, I wrote him a letter and said, you know, if you would just shut up and listen to what I say instead of being worried about who's saying it, you might learn something. Because sometimes personalities, you know, sometimes personalities don't drive, and I get that. But you're not producing good fruit. Your, your, your witness sucks. Let's just be honest, right? If you're an all past lead to God, if you're uh, all grace and no truth, your witness sucks too. Because what you're saying is all is permissible. And God's not going to hold anybody accountable. And you're a false prophet because what you're doing is leading people astray. And when they get in front of Jesus and they're held to account, they're going to be very surprised. Now, here's what's fascinating. In... Uh, in Ezekiel somewhere, I don't remember the verse, excuse me, I'm a little tired, um, there's this line that says, if somebody sins, they're responsible for their sin, but if you've not told them and tried to correct them, the, their blood is on your hands. <laughs> so we are responsible for our brother, right? And so how do we go about this? Paul told us, you tell the truth in love. So you can go to somebody and say, hey, I think you're, I think you're missing the boat on this thing. Um, why don't you explain to me where you're coming from, right? <coughs> and, and I think that's perfectly fine. My buddy Larry challenges me on that stuff. It's perfectly fine. But you got to do it with a motive of love and concern and care and friendliness, right? Uh, even if you disagree, you disagree agreeably. You're not seeing that in church right now. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's dangerous. <clears throat> Being a Christian is not for sissies. You have to humble yourself. And you've got to be somebody that has a sober judgment. Romans 12 talks about that. Um, that you, you, you've got to be able to look yourself in the mirror and, and take a look at what Scripture says and say, am I abiding, am I truly abiding in Jesus? What kind of fruit am I bearing? If someone were to look at me and my witness, what would they see? Would they see Jesus in the in the fullness of who he is? Or would they just see a part of that? When they look at you, do they see Jesus beating up on the Pharisees? 
do they just see Jesus feeding them the the the, the, the five thousand? Do they just see Jesus saying, "Get thee back from me, Satan," to Peter? Do they just see Jesus saying, "Let the children come"? Which Jesus are you showing them? Because we're supposed to show them all of Jesus. Because Jesus wasn't a piece of these things; he was the fullness of God. And I and I and I fear that. I fear a couple things. Let me just tell you what I fear. In in this in this section, John 15, you've got those who are the branches that are tied to the vine, who are not producing fruit, who have no interest in doing that, who are going to get cut away. Those are the nominal Christians. Those are the people that say, "Well, yeah, I went to church when I was a kid, <clears throat> but I, you know, I don't really do anything with that anymore. I pray over dinner, or maybe I pray when I go to bed, or, or I just pray over the big things. I, I worry about you. I do." Because, and I pray about you because I am concerned that you're going to be that branch that gets cut off. Because you really, you really don't know Jesus. You don't have a relationship with him. You're not abiding in him at all. What about the branches that were never attached to the vine? That's a choice, right? You, 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 there, there's a scene where it talks about. Um, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? When you when you take a branch and you and it's not of the regular vine, but you tie it back into the vine, there, there's some kind of term for that, uh, and that branch becomes part of the vine because they they've melded it together, and that and I think it's I think in the in the imagery of that they're talking about the Gentiles being melded to the to the Jesus vine, um, and we're all one family, right? Uh, you can be a branch that's been outside of the vine and be grafted, that's the word, grafted into the vine. And you can do that. Or you can be a, a branch that just withers on the ground and gets thrown in the fire. So of these two branches I've talked about so far, the branches that are tied to Jesus, that aren't producing anything, have no interest in producing anything, do not want the life abundant from Jesus, will not take nourishment, will not take advice, will not take counsel, will not take discipline, will not take uh, you know commands. You're going to be cut off and put in a fire. That's what this says. For the branches that don't get grafted into the vine, that aren't interested, for those that, that we share the, the gospel with, and it doesn't take, they don't want it, you, you're getting put in the fire. That's what it says. And then there's the third branch. That's Christians that want to abide in him and him abide in us. And if we remain in him, if we remain in him, we will produce much fruit for the kingdom. And what you'll find is once you really get to that place where you're remaining in Jesus, all you want to do is produce for the kingdom. That's all your interest is. You start to really hate the world. You start to really just not be interested in how this place works. Um, I spent a number of years of my life in politics, and uh, I kind of lived and breathed politics for a good 10 years of it, but was in it longer than that. I teach political science, and I gotta be honest, I just I just don't even care about politics anymore. It makes no difference. Maybe it's because I've lived long enough to see politicians come and go, and it's always the same cycle. But I think it's more that you know Jesus is my king, and I'm worried about eternal things, and I'm not worried about what these knuckleheads down here do. Um, I give to Caesar's what Caesar's. I obey the king because the king has a sword. I do all the things Scripture tells me to do because Scripture tells me to do it. Um, but that's not my focus. Jesus is my focus. Loving other people and caring for them and serving is my focus. Teaching in a way that is loving but truthful is my focus, right? Um, 
not being a banging gong or a clanging cymbal, but at the same time not being you know, you know all this permissible guy, trying to walk that fine line. And when you walk that fine line, let me tell you, everyone hates you. <laughs> you get discontent from everybody. Uh, but understand which vine, which branch you are in the vine. Now, I'm not going to say we're perfect. All of us, all of us screw up every day. I, I, of all the sinners, I'm the worst. I, I get that. But you need to be striving to be a vine-connected branch. You need to be striving to be that branch that produces as much fruit for the kingdom as possible. That should be your only focus and goal. So what do we produce? Well, we share the gospel. We tell people about Jesus and let the chips fall where they may, right? We find people that um, maybe have accepted, but you need to disciple them. We find people that are hurting and we walk with them. We find people that we need to serve, right? Because that's what the job is, is it's all service. We, we, we build up the kingdom of heaven by how we live. You, you, you go out there and live a certain way and you're a light in a very dark, dark world. And yes, you're a target. And people will not like you. Jesus said they'll hate you because they hated him. Whatever they did to Jesus, they'll do to you. But you do it boldly and you live it out because there's something about a light. And Jesus' sheep will hear his voice. And you may be the only Jesus people meet. You may go to a place and, and you are representing, you're the ambassador for Christ. And you're sharing your story and your testimony and you're sharing the gospel and you're sharing... And people are, are, our lives are being changed, not by you, by the Holy Spirit, but what you've done is created a relationship that softens their heart enough where the Holy Spirit can get in there and do his work. That's, that's production. That's fruit. I mean, imagine this. You get to heaven, and Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant, and you're all excited. It's joy and happiness. And then Jesus looks at you and says, hey, I want to introduce you to some people who are here because you shared me with them. Can you imagine what that would be like? What, what do you mean people are here because I shared, because I was bold enough to do kingdom work? Right? So, yeah, this this part, if you really want to read it, I would encourage you, chapters 13, 14, 15 of John, again, from the Passover dinner, the betrayal from Judas, and then Jesus explaining to his remaining disciples who he is, what's about to happen, and that how he is going to be sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's going back to the Father and all these different things he talks about. And that uh, they are to remain in him. They are to abide in him. They are to find their rest in him. They are to find their life in him. Everything is about Jesus. Um, if you know the story of the disciples after Jesus' ascension and they go out and do their missionary work, Wow, talk about abiding in Jesus, right? Talk about the things that they endured and could do only because of the power of Jesus in them. Think about the martyrs. Read Box's Book of Martyrs and you'll be just stunned at the faith and, and belief these people have and the horrible things they went through for Christ because they abided in him. Are you abiding in Jesus? Are, are you? Are, what's your life like? I'm not saying your life's not hard. Just because you abide in Jesus doesn't mean you're not going to have a hard life. Jesus said that in this world you'll have, you'll have trouble. But we can rejoice in all circumstances because this trouble is meaningless. We have eternity with Jesus. This is just a, a momentary speed bump. Are you abiding in him? Are you striving to 
be in the Father's will? Are, are you striving to have a mindset like Christ so that whatever you ask in his name, he will be able to give you because it glorifies God because you all are on the same page? Or are you living a life that's of the world? A secular life where you're trying to perform, where you're trying to, you know, prove yourself, where you're trying to, um, uh, you know, do all the things that the world expects of you, and you're failing miserably. God didn't create you for that. So I would tell you, um, by Jesus, work on it. Work on having Him be more and you be less. Work on picking up your cross and carrying it daily. Work on dying to this world and keeping your eyes focused on heavenly things, not earthly things. Work on doing the things Christ created you to do, which is to be like he was. Not partially, but fully. Tell the truth with love. Show grace by telling the truth. Right? Don't back down. Be bold. Because when you abide in Jesus, what can man do to you? That's what Jesus told us, right? What can man do to you? Nothing. Nothing. So I like this part. I like this vine and, and, and branches thing, even though I don't understand horticulture to save my life. Um, I know this for me. I want to do more to abide in Jesus. And I've learned last night that part of that abiding is being around other believers. It is just really life-giving to be around other people that are on fire for the Lord. It just it just sparks something where you're like, ah, gosh, great. This is, you know, I'm around other people. I'm not just sitting in front of my computer talking at it. Um, so see what you can do about getting around other believers to lift you and encourage you, right? Scripture says don't stop meeting like some people do. Don't fall in the trap of being worldly. Don't, don't read these verses and think that you can ask for anything you want and get it just because you say in Jesus' name. It has to glorify God, which means your will and his will have to be the same. But when you abide in Jesus, if you choose to do that, he will abide in you and you will start being like Christ in terms of your desires to serve the Lord. And i got to be honest with you, it's an incredible thing. I never, you know, 25, 30 years ago, if you asked me that, I would have given you a lip service. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. But I was one of those branches that was connected to the vine that was not producing any fruit. And I was very much in danger of being cut off. But God, by the grace of God, there I go, right? Um, uh, he kept me on board, and uh, uh, I, I've kind of figured it out. And so I'm hoping that for you. If you're a nominal Christian, you're not in the church, you're not in the faith, you're not living out this thing, Please, 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 please dust off that Bible and read the Gospels again. Let the Word of God sink into you. Let it transform you back to who you're supposed to be, which is a absolute Jesus freak. If you're one of those people that's got a critical spirit and you're, um, you know, you're just more truth than grace, please, 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 please read the Bible. It's about humility. Yes, we tell the truth, but we do so in such a way that people are eager to hear from us. It's kind of like Churchill said. Churchill had this great line. He said, uh, diplomacy is the art of telling someone to go to hell and then making them look forward to the trip. Our job is to tell the truth of Scripture. And there are some hard truths, especially in this culture. And do it in such a way people just want to embrace it. And they don't do that if you're just a truth person. If you're just a grace person, please read your Bible. 
God is a God of justice and holiness and righteousness and has a standard. All things are not permissible for God. You can be loving and caring and still tell people there are guardrails and boundaries that are the best thing for them because God only tells us to do things that are the best for us. And the worst thing for us is to have no boundaries where we can just go off and do anything we want and think that we're honoring God. Notice what I did there? All of us have to read the Bible and we have to let it absorb into us. We have to let it, you know, we're supposed to meditate, meditate on it day and night. We're going to marinate in these words so that God can transform us through the Holy Spirit to be more like Jesus in all aspects. So, get out there and produce fruit. Doesn't have to be major stuff. Can be just little things in your neighborhood. Can be little things in your workplace, whatever it is. Whatever God's gifted you to do, you got to do that. And focus on that. Don't worry about this worldly stuff. Worry about your walk with Jesus. Strengthen it. Abide in him and he will abide in you. And when you do that, you'll be stunned at the transformation that will happen in your life. Okay, hope you had a great Friday night. I have time for me to go. Uh, I will see you, I don't know, I think next Sunday. Uh, I think I'm at Samaka next Sunday, a week from, a week from this Sunday. The next Sunday, I'll be at Samaka Live. So that ought to be uh, interesting. Haven't done that forever. Hope I remember how to preach in front of people. And so we'll see you then. If you have questions, you know where to find me. I'm, I'm right here on Messenger. Okay, hope you had a great night. Have a great weekend. Uh, get some rest, relaxation, some refreshment, and uh, stay out of trouble. All right, take care.